following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. i 
Eli, self-centered, a backslider, compromising, having no fear of God, but quick to rebuke others. That's usually the sign of a person who has an emptiness in their own soul. That was Eli. He had two sons. One son's name means the mouth of a serpent. They were not good boys. They were married, but they were wicked men. They were the spiritual leaders of Israel, and their wickedness was turning the heart of Israel away from the living God of heaven. And God was getting fed up with them. Can you understand that God looks upon us and we have a cup? And when the cup of wrath is full, God deals with us. I don't know how full or how empty your cup is today. But when that cup is full, God's judgment comes on your life. I pray that none of you in this house have a full cup. Because today is yet the day of salvation for each of us. Eli, who ruled over this house of God, had two sons who treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. Let me tell you how men would bring their sacrifice offerings to the Lord, and a certain portion of each of those sacrifices belonged to the priest in order for them to feed their families. But these two young men were unwilling to take the portion that was allotted to them. Instead, they would take the whole sacrifice if they so pleased. And if anybody objected, they would say, we will take it by force, if you will not allow us what we demand. And not only that, the two sons were having illicit sexual relationships with the women who worked in the temple of God, in the house of the Lord. This was disgusting to the Lord God of heaven, Until finally, the Lord sent a prophet to speak. It was a word of intense warning. A man of God said, this is what the Lord says. This is 1 Samuel, the second chapter, if you'd like to follow, in verse 27. 1 Samuel, the second chapter, beginning in verse 27. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord said. 
Did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when you were in Egypt under Pharaoh? You recognize it was God who spoke and brought Moses to Egypt. It was God who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. We have linear time, so we think, oh, 20 years ago, that's forever ago. But to God, 20 years ago is nothing. He doesn't think that way. Do you understand that God does not live in linear time? So if God wants to be present when I was born, he can go back right now and be present as I'm being born. He, d- he is not confined by linear time. He created time. So how does he know what the future is? Because he can immediately go to the future. Right now, God can go to the point of your death and know what is happening to you. He can alter whatever he needs to alter to give you the optimum chance to repent and turn to him. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when you were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your father out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod in my presence. And I gave your father's house all the offerings made with fire by the Israelites. you understand what the ephod does? There are two pockets, one on the right and one on the left. So a man could come to the priest and ask for a clear word from God regarding what they should do. And it was a yes and no answer. Should I do this? And the ephod would light up. A holy stone would light up. Or no, don't do it. This is the power this priest had. He had the ability to get a direct answer from God for you regarding your situation. Wouldn't you wish that I had an ephod to wear? No. Do you know what? You now have the ephod. Do you understand that? God now comes to you and speaks directly to you and tells you what he wants you to do. Romans, the 12th chapter. If a man is given to God, the first two verses, if he is on the altar of burnt offering... He can test and approve and know what God's will is in his life. So many people come to me and say, Pastor, what should I do? Ask Jesus. I did. He didn't answer. You just told me you're not on the altar. You didn't know you were telling me that. But you were telling me there is something wrong in my life. There is sin in my life that I have not yet submitted to because I can't hear from God. Well, the reason you can't hear from God is because there's sin in your life. I shouldn't have told you that, should have I? Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offerings that I've prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I promised 
This is verse 30, that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. So God makes incredible promises to us. But if we walk in sin before him, he reverses his promise. He takes it from us. Those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will be no old man in your family line and you will see distress in my dwelling. And then verse 35. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. The Lord had made a decision to take the lives of both of these boys. Their cup was full. They were damaging the body of Christ. They were destroying the testimony of righteousness. They were leading the children of Israel away from the God of heaven. They knew the government of God through Eli was corrupt. I guess the question I want to ask you today, is the government of God in your life corrupt? Have you corrupted the government of God over your life? Have you demanded your own way? Have you been self-centered and self-possessed and refused to submit to the living God? Now we find... Samuel growing up in the house of God. And as a young man, the Lord God comes to him. We're told that during this time in Israel's history, the word of the God of heaven was very rare. He just wasn't speaking. But now he comes and he speaks to this young boy. And he gives this young man a warning again about Eli. You see, Eli has understood that he is not pleasing the God of heaven. But he doesn't care about pleasing the God of heaven. He cares about pleasing his sons. He cares about pleasing his family more than he cares about pleasing the God of heaven. If there is any person in your life that you care more about pleasing now than Jesus Christ, you are walking in an Eli path. And I have to confess, by by personality, I grew up a pleaser. And I was shocked when the Lord spoke to me many years ago and said, you will no longer be a pleaser You are going to be a threshing sledge with new and sharp teeth. And I said, Lord, I don't want sharp teeth. I want to be loved. And he said, no. Speak my word. And as you all can testify, I don't do very much to try to keep you happy. I do everything in my power to keep you holy. 
That was the decision that Eli would not make. He was interested in keeping his family and his daughter-in-laws happy. And he was also very pleased with the filet mignon they kept bringing him out of the sacrifices, choosing the best parts of the beef, until he fattened himself, the scriptures say. The scriptures say he was very, very heavy because he enjoyed the filet mignon. He enjoyed the food, the delectable diet he had. He did not want to sacrifice that. Sometimes we're like my favorite pet through all the years of my life. The dog's name was Arnie. Arnie was a Rottweiler, 150-pound Rotty. And I thought he and I had such a good relationship. Until one day I was going to add food to his bowl. And I reached down to pick up his bowl. And a growl emanated from Arnie that I didn't know existed in him. And I pulled my hand back lest I lose it. It's so easy to become an Arnie. Pleasant, nice, until somebody touches our food bowl. And then the sounds that come out of us are angry sounds, cursing sounds, bitter sounds, because somebody dared to touch what I wanted. That was Eli. My wife used to say to me, Ray, you understand that teddy bears are only teddy bears until they start to lose what they want, and then they become grizzly bears. I'm always cautious around teddy bear people because I know in a moment's notice they can become grisly. I've been bitten too many times. Are you a teddy bear today? Are you sweet and kind, thoughtful? Now, some of you don't even start out as teddy bears. You start as grizzly bears. I understand that. I could name some of you in this room. You know, God is so amazing to me. The way he knows each of our personalities. And he has a divine plan for each of us to bring us into oneness with himself. The frogs, you know, who are always hopping, always jumping. He knows how to calm them down. The giraffes who are always floating off in space somewhere. Their feet are never on the ground. The rocks who are always just grump, I'm not moving, I'm not moving, I'm not doing anything, I'm just going to watch. I mean, he knows each one of us by personality. And he knows just the medicine he needs to bring to our heart to bring us alive in Jesus. I'm so grateful for that today. 
I'm grateful that Jesus is moving in your heart today. And that he didn't come today with any judgment of you. That he comes today with absolute and mercy and compassion. So Eli is sitting on his chair when Hannah comes in. And this godly woman who who just cries out before God with such incredible passion. He rebukes her and says, take your alcohol somewhere else. You're a drunk. Are you kidding me? The normal life of the church in that day was to be drunk. He didn't recognize someone who was holy cry of my heart is that we would not be a drunk church. That we would be a sober church that would know how to cry out for the lost. That we would pray. That we'd know how to pray. First for ourselves. And then for those we love. That our heart would be sober. And some may say, you're crazy. You're a drunkard. They may not understand the passion. They may not understand somebody who comes up here and starts to speak and suddenly dissolves in tears. They may not understand someone who stands here and begins to speak in tongues. They may not understand that. They're not used to that. The National Prayer Chapel was called to pray to be passionate. And I'm not going to take a rebuke from an Eli to tell me to shut up. I'm going to continue to cry out to God. Israel goes into battle, probably under King Saul taking on the Philistines. Many believe that it was during this battle that King Saul died. The ark of God is taken. The two sons are put to death. They're killed by the Philistines. One of the wives of one of the sons gives birth to a child. She was premature. And she was dying in the pains of labor. And when the child came forth, she named the child Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory has departed. For the ark of God has been captured. You know, I've been thinking about, praying about this story all week. Most of us, and I'm I'm going to include myself in this, 
most of us who have been Christians have lived in the kingdom of this world and enjoyed the benefits of the kingdom of God. So we've called ourselves Christians, but the manner in which we have lived has said that we have been primarily a part of this world, but we're willing to receive the benefits of prayer, of coming to church. We're willing to receive the comfort that Jesus would bring to us. We've come to a point in this Eli church day when there has to be a change. It's time to come out of the world system. It's time to come out of the world philosophy. It's time to move fully into the kingdom of God. To dwell in the kingdom of God. To no longer live in the kingdom of this world and say, I'm a Christian and I'll enjoy these benefits of being a Christian. It's time to move into the kingdom of God. When you move into the kingdom of God, you still need food from the grocery store. You still need your business to be successful. You still need things to happen in the physical realm. But when we dwell in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdom of this world, Jesus reaches out into that kingdom of this world and he brings out of it what he wants us to have. But it's vital that we self-identify as members of the kingdom of God and that we receive now only what Jesus chooses to give to us. That we don't go out there on our own and create our own reality any longer. We don't try to use Jesus to create something for us. We go now into fully the kingdom of God, and that is our home. That is our place of dwelling. And knowing that as we dwell in the kingdom of God, there is now no condemnation for any of us. There's no judgment of God on any of us. Which of us has not sinned against Almighty God? I have. We've all sinned. And frankly, I would guess that if I went to each of you and asked you personally, you would say that there are things that you are very ashamed of that you have done in the past. You knew it was wrong. You did it anyway. And you knew the guilt of God was resting on your life. And that condemnation has held many of us in the past captive in its hold. And we've said, how can I make up for this? I can't. And so I'm just going to pull into my little hidey cave. Because I can't change. I can't change me and I can't change what I've done. And we've grown hopeless. It's time to move into the kingdom of God where we recognize it is a supernatural work of God that takes away our sin and washes us and makes us clean.
you can't do it. And I can't do it. But Jesus can do it and is eager to do it, is willing to do it, and is doing it now in our lives. Somebody this week said to me, Pastor, I don't know what to do. When I look at how I've messed up, I don't know how to clean up my mess. I can barely hold my head up. I said, I'm going to preach to you now, all right? And they got this funny look on their face. I said, yes, you need to hear a sermon. It's going to be a short sermon. The sermon is this. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He loves you, I said. He has wiped away your sin. He is now giving you the power to never do it again. You are found in Jesus. Your past is forgiven. You are clean. You are free. I said, did you repent? Oh, I've wept tears over it. Yes, I've repented. Then why don't you drop your pride of thinking that you have to clean up your mess? You know, isn't that typical of almost all of us here? I was sitting in a restaurant last night having dinner. It was a wonderful time of just peacefully sitting there, enjoying a meal. I was by myself. There were people at all the tables around me. And I reached out to pick up my iced tea. It had just been refilled. And I can't explain it, but that tea slipped out of my hand, hit the table, and splashed tea in a in a wide arc, and everybody was ducking for cover. The table was a mess. The owner of the restaurant, a man I dearly love, came out of nowhere. I started to get up. He said, no, sit down, Pastor. Sit down. I have it. In his suit, he got down on the floor with his towels and he began to soak up the mess that I just made. And everybody's watching and he looks up from down there on the floor. He looks up with the brightest smile on his face and he said out loud, Pastor, I love you. (laughs) What could I do? but say thank you. And everybody around me started laughing and clapping. I was astonished. They soon brought napkin, cloth napkins. They had the table all covered again. They brought me a brand new iced tea, and I sat there and I said, that's got to be what redemption is about. Any of you spill your tea this week? Make a mess? You couldn't figure out how you were going to get cleaned up? 
I serve a Jesus who cleans up our messes. And in the process of cleaning up the mess, he looks at us and he says, unashamedly in front of everybody, I love you. How can you be ashamed now? Suddenly it turned from my being a klutz who's splashing people with tea to being told you're loved and having the people around you that you splashed with tea clapping for you. (laughs) Now you tell me, how does that happen? That's what Jesus Christ does for us. You know, I thought, I've got to get up and I've got to clean up my mess. I've got to get napkins somewhere. I've got to try to change all of this. I've got to apologize to everybody. I've got to go wipe their shoes. Pastor, sit down. Sit down. I love you. As he cleans up my mess. We've got to come out of this world system and enter into this place of grace that Jesus has for us. I really want you to hear that in your spirit. I want you to hear Jesus saying to you, I love you. As he's on his knees washing your feet. Isn't that what he did to the disciples? He was on his knees washing their feet. Even Judas' feet. He washed Judas' feet, knowing that in a few minutes he was going to betray him. He didn't come to Judas and say, look, I'm going to wash your feet, buddy. But if you betray me, you've had it. He didn't come threatening. He came opening his heart. Saying, I want to wash your feet. And Peter says, Ho, ho, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, If you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. Oh, give me a bath. (laughs) Yes. Are you holding on? Are you holding on to the sin you've committed because you think it's too much for Jesus to forgive? Are you walking with condemnation in your heart and your spirit saying, look at the mess I've made? I want you to hear today, you don't have to walk that way anymore. Jesus came washing the disciples' feet and saying, if you don't let me clean up your mess, you don't have any part with me. When I left the restaurant, all the waiters, busboys, the host, they were all giving me hugs as I left. The people who were sitting around me 
were saying, and these were strangers, they were saying, have a good evening, Pastor. I've never had anything like that happen to me in my life. But now, what would you think if I sat at my table and I said, I'm mad because I didn't get to clean up my mess. So I pick up the new glass of tea and just go like that to everybody around me. You think they'd come and clean up my mess a second time? No, the judgment of God would come on me. What I want you to hear today is very simple. I want you to hear that God loves you enough to clean up your messes. That he does not dishonor you before his angels. The angels of heaven have no doubt about how God feels about you today. He died for you. He loves you. Eli? He loved Eli. But Eli did not love him. So let's not play any games. Do you love Jesus Christ? Or do you love someone else more? If you love Jesus, there is no limit to which he will go to restore you and heal you and change what's happening in your life. You do not have to continue walking in condemnation and heartbreak because you've messed up. A pastor that I I love dearly, had an affair. It was a large church. Had an affair and lost his ministry. Was put out of the church. I'd never met this man. I'd never talked to him before. But one Friday night, there was a, a knock on my front door, and I went to the front door, and there stood this pastor with tears coming down his face. And he said to me, through his tears, Are you Pastor Ray? I said, Yes, come, come in. I instantly recognized him. He was very well known in the Washington, D.C. area. It was big news when he was blown out of the church. He had a a mega church. He said, as he sat down in my living room, do you believe that sinners can have a second chance. I said, yes. 
I called him by name. I said, I think you need to start another church. And the name of the church needs to be the Church of the Second Chance. I said, I think there are a lot of us who need a second chance. We didn't do much talking that night. We just sat together and both of us cried. And finally he said, I think I better go. We embraced and he left. That was first of many conversations that would take place in my living room with this dear man as he was restored to the presence of Jesus. God will bring judgment. Eli was sitting on his chair when news came that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken, and it said he was so diswrought that he pushed backwards and the chair tipped over, and he broke his neck and died that day. There are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of of earth and there's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of earth is filled with death. It's filled with condemnation. It's filled with judgment. It's filled with hatred and bitterness. And it's filled with every kind of filthy thing. But there's a kingdom of God and it's filled with forgiveness and justice and mercy and a second chance. There's a kingdom of God that is filled with compassion and love and mercy. I don't want to live with one foot in the kingdom of this world and one foot in the kingdom of God. I choose to dwell entirely in the kingdom of God and let him order my steps. Let him tell me what to do and where to go and how to do it with no hardness in my heart and no rebellion in my spirit. I trust Jesus because he loves me. Jesus is righteous and holy, but I don't love him because he's righteous and holy. I love him because he loved me first. My brothers and sisters, you have to settle in your mind. We are at a point in history where we can no longer afford to live with one foot in the kingdom of this world and one foot in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We've got to come totally into the kingdom of our Lord and Jesus. We've got to come totally into that kingdom. And some of you have some things in your life you need to get settled and straight. Some of you have some fights you need to get resolved. Some of you have some wickedness that needs to be put away. Some of you have some questions and doubts. You need to get them cleared up. 
You need to understand today, Jesus loves you. And he paid the price for your sin. And there is no block on Jesus' side to you coming into his presence. The only possible block that would keep you out of the presence of God is if you have a stubborn and rebellious heart and you don't want to let Jesus clean your mess up. I pray you can hear me today. Jesus loves you with such compassion. And no matter what you did yesterday, yesterday will never come again. Yesterday is finished and past. All you have is right now. And right now is when Jesus just wants to love you. If you'll let him. If your pride is not too great. If you will let him, he will love you. But I 
Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. We're located in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Galaxies alive in the sky and Nothing compares to you I've heard the melody of storms as they sing And caught a symphony composed on the wind and
Nothing else comes close.